2: What is going on around us? And our show is brought to you by great sponsors like GarageDoorProServices.com LifesavingFood.com MonticelloCollege.org And HSLAMO.com. I'm joined by Eric Peters from EricPetersAutos.com Eric, great to catch up with you. How's life?
1: As always and likewise.
2: So, uh, I heard a rumor And uh, actually this doesn't really sound so much like a rumor But uh, it sounds like the narrative is shifting yet again on the covid vaccine and uh, and basically all the fallout from lockdowns only this time the narrative is shifting in such a way that it looks like trump is going to be set up to take the fall what are your thoughts on this
1: well he really walked right into it you know they got him out of office using covid you know uh, and all of the weaponized hypochondria that he helped to enable and now they're going to stamp him out forever by uh, by wrapping and draping the blame for the warp-speeded virus that he's taken personal credit for and all of the repercussions that have attended right around his neck. That's, I think, what, what we're seeing happening
2: now. Yep. I mean, I, Eric, this is one of the things that I've really appreciated is you've been very fair in that, uh, well, you don't go out of your way to, you know, to denigrate and to hate an orange man bad, you know, like so mm-hmm. many people do. You've also made it clear he's probably not your first choice in terms of, of leaders, but right. You, you were one of the very few people I've heard who would call Trump out on being the guy who's like, oh, I got this vaccine, I'm the one who's responsible yep. for getting it in record time, and, and warning, that's not a good thing.
1: No, it's a terrible thing. You know, Many of us, uh, you know, two years ago, pointed out, this is, this is potentially a really alarming thing to think, given the track record of vaccines in general, uh, that we're going to permit, not just permit, but almost force people to take a drug that is warp-speeded, onto the market that has not been subject to even the the normal uh, testing protocols that take years. Oh, let's just go ahead and let the pharmaceutical companies just inject people with whatever it is they tell us is safe and effective. And, you know, Orange Man is the one who facilitated that more than any other person. You know, I, I, I do not like Biden. I do not like these woke leftists. But the fact of the matter is, it was Trump who granted the EULA via executive authority. And uh, who enabled all of the protocols that are formally normally in place to be abrogated, so as to get the vaccines warp speeded in order to solve the pandemic? And I think that's what he thought, giving him any benefit of the doubt, uh, he would be accomplishing. You know, he could he could take credit for ending the pandemic. You know, look, we got the warp speeded vaccines. We can get back to get back to business as usual. Well, yeah, and now uh, the business is going to be that all of the deaths and all of the injuries. Leaving aside the fact that they just don't work, you know, we were told they were going to, you know, if you took this vaccine, you would not get the Rona. Remember that one? Oh, I think yeah. it's really important people remember that. Uh, and the fact of the matter, uh, which they're no longer even attempting to deny, is that, no, in fact, you can just still get the Rona. Uh, so it's not a vaccine. It's something else. And it's something that's caused people to die and caused a lot of other people to have very serious, very lifelong repercussions like, you know, heart inflammation. And this man was foolish enough to take personal credit for it, to not walk it back when he could have. You know, I think maybe there's still time, but it's probably too late. And to say, you know what, uh, I meant well. I was hoping to uh, to help people. Uh, I was told this, that, and the other thing. It turns out uh, I was misled, and I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I was wrong. He hasn't done that yet, and I think it, it will mean the end of the orange man.
2: If he were to do the mea culpa, though, do you think that uh, this is something he could get ahead of? And and not he could, have but he's going to, gonna the have, the
1: to he's gonna have to do a parking brake one eighty, and like right now, wow! In order to get ahead of this,
2: and it sounds like it's it's hard to 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 get people who are, are really diehard Trump supporters to even consider, you know, the downside to the role that he's played here um, is, is pretty tough. I mean, they they can be dogmatic.
1: Oh, it's almost impossible. You know, there's a bizarre uh, um, analogous situation here in that you know you and I and many others on our side have scratched our heads at the way uh, the people who are Fauciists um, simply seem to be incapable of, uh, of, of, of registering any fact that contradicts their religious beliefs about the masks and the vaccines, right? Well, we've got the same phenomenon with a lot of these Trump people who will absolutely refuse to acknowledge any of the things, the actions that, that Trump did that have caused problems and instead, we'll come up with these absolutely loopy theories like this QAnon stuff that, you know, Trump was really just letting his enemies show themselves. Right. You know, by having Fauci stand there at the presidential podium for most of 2020 so that people could see who's really doing it. He's playing 5D chess, you know, chess. And at any time, he is going to uh, expose them all. And he's going to ride back into D.C. on his white charger and clean house and save everything. I mean, it's nuts. It's literally pathologically insane.
2: Well, I'm with you on that, and and it's sad because I think, uh, um, you know, I, I did not support Trump when he first ran in 2016. I did support him in 2020, especially when mm-hmm. I saw the kind of opposition that was ginned up, and what whatever faults the guy may have, at least I can say among his faults wasn't uh, trying to run the economy into the ground or destroy yep. me personally.
1: Yep, yep, exactly. I You know, I felt the same way. Uh, you know, I thought he was sort of a— a corporatist kind of a guy who, you know, was, was not necessarily anything like uh, a Ron Paul person who actually believed in a, in a principled sense in, in liberty and freedom for people, but uh, infinitely preferable to somebody like Hillary, who's not just personally loathsome, but uh, is somebody who has uh, loathsome ideas, uh, which now, of course, we're seeing, uh, you know, we're seeing them propagate the result of those kinds of ideas and the effects that they will have on, on, uh, on America and on average Americans. So, yeah, you know, I, have, I don't apologize for having uh, made the Hobson's choice uh, in 2016 and 2020. But this business with the, uh, the vaccines and Trump could never vote for him again based on that. And I think, you know, if he, if he continues to, to tout the vaccines and continues to attempt to make some kind of a political comeback, it is going to be absolutely ruinous for, uh, for our side, for the liberty movement. Because we will be forever associated with supporting the man who did did something to enable uh, the deaths of many people and uh, the, the permanent injury of many people. And that's something people are just never going to forgive or forget.
2: And Eric, that's that's one of the things that I have been watching for very carefully is for more and more of this information to become more mainstream to where it's not just, oh, another conspiracy theory, but like many yep. other conspiracy theories that suddenly proved out to be true. Uh, we're starting to see more and more, um, especially foreign media, reporting on this unprecedented yep. number of deaths of young, otherwise healthy people. And, and yet I know we're not supposed to make any connection to the jab, but uh, it sure does seem to correspond with the time frame in which the jab was, well, was sure. introduced. And
1: also, it's, it's something that can, really, it's impossible to suppress purely on an individual level. Uh, you know, we can all remember during the height of Romanomania, most of us were like, you know, what the heck? I, I'm fine. Everybody I know is fine. Uh, nobody's, you know, croaking in the middle of the street. But now we have people who have had family members who have, have died or have gotten horribly ill, uh, and they know it. You know, they know it at a gut check level that it was the vaccines. Uh, we have this almost daily, certainly weekly, business of healthy young athletes, people in the absolute prime of their life, in prime physical condition, dropping dead of heart attacks. This is something that just never has happened before. And then, as you mentioned, we've got these these, actuarial data from these insurance companies. You know, these are serious people whose whose business revolves around what they take in and what they pay out in terms of claims. And there's been this startling increase in all-cause fatalities or deaths among people who shouldn't be dying. You know, people who are not elderly, um, people who do not have serious health problems, but nonetheless are dying suddenly in their 30s, 40s, and 50s.
2: There's also the factor that I, I know it isn't talked about as much, but I've seen a couple of different articles now on uh, birth rates and how, how pregnancies, mm-hmm. you know, and, and births have actually fallen off since the introduction of the vax as well. And we're talking countries like Germany looking at this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the uh, UK also was, was tracking this very noticeable decrease in births you know, following the introduction of the vaccine. And I'm not trying to make the case, ah, see, the vaccine is sterilizing people. I'm just saying that probably bears a closer look, wouldn't you think?
1: Well, absolutely. And uh, in particular, given that we know, and it's been acknowledged even by the vaccine peddlers, that uh, these, these drugs are associated with problems with women's menstrual cycles. That is an acknowledged side effect of these vaccines. Now, there you have something that Involves women's reproductive systems, so you know at a certain point, you got to think. You know, we've got problems with the reproduction, uh, with the reproductive cycles. They may have problems with fertility. It bears looking into, as you say. And there's this bizarre thing going on now, where uh, you know, when uh, as contrasted with you know back in 2020, when if a 101-year-old person died, of course it was the Rona, right? Right. You know, it was it was the default cause of death for anybody who died, even people who were extremely elderly. And extremely unhealthy, ever, even before Lorona arrived, contrasted with now, when you know perfectly healthy previously people, people who should be uh, alive for decades to come, when they die, it's anything other than the vaccine.
2: Here, here. Hold that thought. Eric Peters is my guest. You can check out the link that I provide in my show notes to EricPetersAutos.com. Lots of worthwhile stuff to read there. We've got more to discuss. Just the other side of these messages. Stay with us.
0: This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Eric Peters from
2: ericpetersautos.com is my guest. Eric, uh, the maybe it's just because of the awareness I have from talking to you on a weekly basis, but uh, man, the electric vehicles thing is being pushed mm-hmm. so hard and so fast. It uh, it really sounds like you know the the door is being slammed on the internal combustion engine. And you've had a couple of Absolutely. articles here recently about some of the downsides of those EVs. Mm-hmm. Let's let's talk about battery replacement for starters.
1: <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that. There was something that went viral uh, about three or four days ago. And it was a, uh, a repair estimate given to a guy who owns a Chevy Volt, who took it in because the battery had croaked. And, you know, without the battery, the electric car does not move. And uh, the repair estimate was almost $30,000 to put a new battery in this car, which didn't cost that much when it was new back in 2012. And one of the reasons why the cost is so stratospherically high with regard to these older EZs, is that just like any other car they go through a product development cycle and they get updated. So typically a car will be on the market for let's say 4 or 5 years and then a replacement an updated version will come out. Now the updated version has a different battery pack and different connections, different physical shape and all of that stuff. So the the earlier model its battery they don't continue to make it just like they don't continue to make the car. So eventually the supply dries up and <laughs> that tends to do something to prices. Now, some third-party company might come in and you know remanufacture or make a replacement battery that's not you know the official GM or Ford or whatever battery, but it's still going to cost a lot of money because there's only so many of those cars out there uh, that will ever need that thing. So it's a way of accelerating the obsolescence of these vehicles. And then there's the hilarious environmental aspect. You know, these cars, this Volt in this thing, in this article I wrote about, it's 12 years old now. To put that in some context, the age of the average car that's in regular use right now is 12 years. And as wow. anybody who, you don't even have to be a car guy, cars routinely last 15, 20 years these days. Uh, you know, so you can get a lot of life out of a car before you have to throw it away and get a new one. But with these electric cars, you throw the thing away sooner because who in the world is going to spend even $10,000 uh, on a new battery for an old EV? So you throw the EV away, you throw away the battery. Now you have to earth-rape uh, a whole new EV into existence to replace it, plus the battery. So how is that good for the planet? You tell me. I don't get it.
2: Yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, British TV series Black Mirror. Have you watched any of those? I have not. It's it's dark. This is dark science fiction. But there is one episode called Downfall. It, it stars uh, Ron Howard's daughter. Um, I forget her name. Bryce something Howard. Anyway, mm-hmm. she... Uh, it, basically, the idea is everything is, uh, is based on your social credit score. And everywhere, every person you encounter ranks you. You know, with uh, however many out of five stars they feel like their encounter gets. And and whatever your average is, that's the level of privilege you have in society. And the reason I bring this oh, up yeah. is because she's trying to get to a friend's wedding. And because she yelled at somebody or cussed at somebody at the airline counter, they downgraded her, her status, her yeah. social credit score. And she ends up with this crappy, uh, well, every car is electric, but her car is this crappy old electric car that doesn't have the right adapter. And anyway, it just brings home the message. If you don't yep. tow the line, it would be a lot easier to control people in electric vehicles than, say, you know, a internal combustion vehicle that isn't dependent upon, you know, that uh, back and forth, like, uh, say, the Tesla, you know, which, which is connected and has updates regularly.
1: Which is also centralized. You know, electricity, by the very nature of it, uh, is a centralized form of energy distribution. You know, you have uh, a utility plant located somewhere, and then the electricity is distributed through wires uh, in a very limited way because you can only string wires so long. You know, there there, there are there are losses over distance when you when you do that with electricity. Whereas uh, internal combustion, gas and diesel, uh, that's uh, a, a distributed network. There's the refiner, and then the refiner uh, has trucks to come and pick up the fuel which can then carry the fuel practically anywhere, and that's why gas stations are everywhere. And once you have the fuel in your tank, you are independent of any central control grid. So, you know, that's what they're trying to shut down by consolidating all of our energy into one basket, electricity, which they can then, uh, they can withhold at at their whim. And by the way, also out of necessity, I don't know if you caught the story, but in China, Uh, They have had a drought, which has resulted in their hydroelectric generating capacity being reduced. And as a result of that, the Tesla superchargers that they have over there, they had to turn them off because there isn't sufficient generating capacity to provide electricity to power people's homes and businesses and these electric cars. That is going to happen in this country, and it's going to be a rude awakening for people when they figure it out.
2: I think I've told you I have a daughter in Germany, and I'm watching with great interest and not a small amount of alarm. The, the rising cost of energy. And it's not just Germany. I think uh, the UK is also seeing this as well. Yep. Um, You know, And, and the, the example that I saw given was, can you imagine if you're paying $250 a month in your electric and, and natural gas bill, now imagine that going to $2,500 a month because that's sure. the equivalent of what a lot of those folks in Europe are facing, especially with the cooler weather approaching.
1: Sure, and on top of that, keep in mind, that uh, an electric car will cost you anywhere from 30 to 50% more than its equivalent in a non-electric car. So there's that cost that's added on top of it. And then there's the further cost of the fact that these things simply do not have service lives that are comparable to non-electric cars. Uh, They might go 10, 11 years, maybe, maybe, uh, before the battery pack begins to lose its capacity to, to hold a charge, at which point you're faced with this dilemma of spending an exorbitant sum of money on a new battery on a nearly worthless old electric car. People, you know, not only do they not want to, they can't do it. How are you, you know, how can the average person stroke a check for $10,000 or $15,000 for a new battery pack? What they want is to uh, not get us into electric cars. They want to use electric cars to get people out of cars. That's the take-home point. People need to to understand this.
2: Okay, so is it time for me to start shopping for a good, capable uh, enduro-type motorcycle?
1: Yeah, well, you should already have gotten one. <laughs> okay. Prices have gotten a, a lot higher. But, yeah, having anything like that, a, a simple vehicle um, that you can repair and maintain yourself, uh, you know, acquire an inventory of, of necessary parts which aren't particularly expensive for a vehicle like that. And, and the same goes with a car. You know, my, my truck is a good example. I've got an 0 02 Nissan Frontier. I've got everything I need to keep it going uh, for several years to come. And hopefully that will be long enough. Uh, to get us through this and for sanity to re- reassert itself once reality asserts itself. And all of these pie in the sky, green energy schemes, uh, you know, the cost of them becomes clear to people who up to now have not really understood what they're being set up for.
2: Wow. There is so much going on. I I, I really have a tough time keeping up with all of it because, Eric, at some level, I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. it all matters but, uh, but I just there's so much happening. There's so much popping off at once right now. I really struggle to, to keep up with it and prioritize. Where does my attention need to be?
1: Well, me too. You know, there are times when I think about, you know, chucking everything, getting myself, you know, 50 acres uh, in Montana, very far away from anything and just building a, a homestead cabin on it and, and forgetting about it. But at the same time, I, I, feel, I feel a compulsion. I don't want to sound too grandiose because I don't feel that way, but I just think it's important for any of us that are in a position to to, uh, to to impart awareness of what's going on to people the better. You know, whether it's the masks, the vaccines, or this electric car thing, which is fundamentally the same thing. It's all predicated on an exaggerated threat. In the case of the electric cars, or our climate change, all just right. like the virus, you know, with with it's being used to terrify people and shame them into accepting their own ensurment.
2: Well, we're down to about one minute here, Eric. uh, I don't know that that's enough time for you and I to solve the problems of the world, but let's talk about your website for a moment. People can get a great education by reading the articles you post, including your write-ups on various vehicles. They can also learn Mm -hmm. a lot from your readers, who, by the way, are fantastic commenters.
1: They are, and I encourage anybody listening to this uh, who would like to, to, to enjoy actual free speech again to come on down because the water's warm. Uh, you know, we do not have any community guidelines. You know, unless you are, you know, just a personally abusive person who calls people, name, people names, you're not going to get suppressed or uh, put in violation of our guidelines by expressing an opinion or pointing out something. You know, we welcome that because uh, the truth can withstand falsehood. It's falsehood that can't withstand the truth.
2: That's right. There is no sign. You must be this ideologically pure mm-hmm. to enjoy this website. Eric, great to talk with you, as always.
1: Ditto, Brian. Thank you.
0: This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show.
2: Got a special message, particularly for my listeners in southwestern Utah. If you live in or around St. George, Cedar City, Mesquite, Nevada, Colorado City, Arizona, Garage Door Pros is the company you want to talk to when it comes to installing, servicing, and repairing garage doors. Now, I don't don't care if this is a residential concern or a commercial service. They handle all of it. Quick response, much faster lead time than others can give you. If you're looking for insulated garage doors... Okay. These are the guys you want to talk to. Get on the phone and call 435 525 2773. You can go to their website, GarageDoorProservices.com. When you talk to them, make sure to tell them thank you for being a sponsor of this program. You know, one of the forbidden topics of our time, and, and you know, I, I risk being completely marginalized even by, by saying the very words, but if you have doubts on election integrity, you are considered a, a terrible threat to the system, to the powers that be, to the status quo. And if you, you've probably noticed this ever since, well, oh, I don't know, November of 2020. Have you noticed how the power centers in this country, not just in Washington, D.C., but even right down to the state level, they are very concerned about people doubting the integrity of the election system. And yet here we are. I mean, we're in a time where I look. I I don't know a nice way to say this, but anybody who can maintain with a straight face, well, no, these politicians—they're just trying to do their best for us, and they're really trying to help us. They're looking out for our interests, Brian. I I I would just stand there in disbelief that somebody could actually see what our politicians, what our political class is doing, and still hold that thought. So I want to share with you some excerpts from an, an essay by Martin Getty's: Mega Consequences of a Stolen Election. And the sub-headline here, I think, says a lot. The beast system suffers cascading collapse when its keystone fails. You understand what he's saying there? When we have doubts in one of the reassurance rituals which the system uses to convince us, oh, no, no, you're really, you're in charge. You're the one calling the shots. You're the one who's electing these people. This must be what you want. When we start to doubt that, suddenly there's, there's real trouble. Now, Martin Getty starts by reminding us nearly every institution, not just in our country, but in the U.K. as well, other, other countries, is compromised This can be courts, politicians, academia, military, police, churches, media, and on and on. On the surface, they appear legitimate, but he says the underlying reality is they sustain a two-tier society. There are those in the the above-the-law category, the cabal or deep state. They get different treatment when they encounter these entities. The process of manufacturing consent to this situation has a lot of facets, but one is figural... And that is the facade of representative government and the rule of law is maintained by rigged elections. And this process of selection defeating election has a lot of supporting aspects, says Martin Geddes. He says these include the promotion of only blackmailed and controlled candidates that represent the interests of the covert rulers, voter enrollment and election operational fraud. The framing of the endeavor about being choosing what kind of person will deny your innate rights and bind you up in legislative law. That's true. I mean, it's uh, people who get really excited over elections, I'm sorry, but I feel like there's a bit of naivete at play when it's like, oh, I'm excited to select the next person who's going to get to rule me. I don't want a ruler. (laughs) You shouldn't want a ruler either. But, you know, hey, you do you. Unfortunately, they want to conscript me into, you know, what what they feel is uh, the right way to do this. Martin Geddes says, you've got to see the corporate uh, media as an enabler. They're to character assassinate anyone who dissents and, of course, the underlying stripping of our identity and dignity via the straw man legal fiction. Now, interestingly enough, he says, look, I'm not going to make the case that Trump won the 2020 election or that it was a sting operation to draw out all the Marxists in America and their foreign supporters. In fact, he just says, look, this is obvious to anyone who cares to look at the data. A fool is not someone who lacks intellectual capacity. That's an idiot. No, a fool, he says, is someone without the moral fortitude to seek contradictory data, follow logic to its conclusions, and stand with the truth, even if alone. Now, he says, I watch former tech industry colleagues sailing on their flotilla of foolishness, and I know it's just a matter of time till they face a humiliating exposure of their laxity. And listen to this part. I thought this was interesting. What matters is not that the 2020 election's correct winner is explicitly installed back into power as a one off event. Martin Getty says what's important is the removal of the meta system of fraud that has installed puppet governments everywhere and enabled the silent enslavement of the population to bankers via international or national rather and personal debt. So let's take a few moments to reflect on the consequences of this one election being exposed as rigged. He says, this isn't just a Pandora's box being open. It's a complete Pandora's self-storage warehouse chain having its doors <laughs> flung open. Now, the obvious immediate t- target is the end of not only the Democrat Party in America, but the current duopoly system of political parties answerable to moneyed interests that led to this debacle. Martin Getty says, we can't permit any more career politicians who were compromised once and then controlled for life term limits will necessitate a constant influx of new blood whose allegiance is to the people, since they will have to live in the society they create and not float above it in this privileged class of semi-retired rulers collecting legalized bribes as board members and paid advisors. He says, I still watch with amazement how intelligent people refuse to confront that they've been played. All hard data that contradicts the orange man bad and Russian man worse narrative themes is automatically dismissed. There is not the slightest concern among my, and he says liberal, meaning techno-fascist, former associates, for the doubts of their fellow countrymen about the soundness of the electoral system. The credibility of our intellectual class is about to be shredded, thank goodness. Their assumed superiority and right to dictate reality and morality to the rest of us won't last long. He says the proximal impact is on the mass media and the public's trust in their legitimacy as editors and journalists go to prison for sedition. Our society has been hived into mass psychosis for a very long time with an evil designer new normal. Giving over the bulk of your income to war criminals and then competing to get a fraction of it back as favors has become standard procedure. This is symptomatic of the depth of insanity that we have come to accept because the mass media represents the interests of these robbers. The brainwashing machine will be exposed and dismantled as a consequence of exposure to their role, or of their role, rather, in this rigged election. Everything done by the fake FJB regime will be null and void. The rubber masks will come off, the making the Biden show documentary will ensure we don't get a repeat performance for many generations to come. And those who fell for the stings and took the tainted money will regret their action. He says, the temporary pain we all have to endure during the final transition to a constitutional system with sound money can all be blamed on the communists who are temporarily put on stage with the illusion of power. Martin Getty says, once you expose one rigged election, it not only annuls one government, it also calls into question the legitimacy of previous ones. All treasonous power is voided. All fraudulent law is vitiated. That means every U.S. law passed since, perhaps 1871, is undone. All those pork appropriations were unlawful too, but also the very money they denoted they were denoted in is also void. So this also spends the uh, spells the end rather of the fiat Federal Reserve dollar and the debt denominated in it, since it has no basis in law. Thus, a complete financial system collapse and reset is necessitated. So this implies that the outcome is a global one, not just national. Every country that had a fake government installed via rigged elections faces a complete political and legal reset. The power of Rome, the City of London, and Washington, D.C. to rule the world in covert alliance will be canceled. Once people know their taxes were being siphoned off to fund these entities, he says the fury will be uncontainable and their role in human affairs will become minimal. there are also enormous consequences for other major bases of globalist power in places like Switzerland, Israel, and Ukraine. Globalist institutions like the UN and NGOs may not last long once their crimes are exposed. Now, there's much more to this article, but I'm going to let you uh, discover it for yourself. He says stolen elections are just a cover for hijacked legal systems, which are then used to rob and enslave us. This is powerful. This is not about picking a better politician, but it is the end of politics and the power of the legislative the legislative class has over us plebs. We must demand our innate rights back from the frauds and thieves, so politics is made irrelevant. And by tightly limiting the power of the elected via constitutional rights, he says we also minimize the negative consequences of fraud. So yeah, elections have their consequences, Stolen elections have big consequences. Exposed stolen elections have absolutely enormous consequences. He says the English Constitution and its common law are a template for all to regain their birthright freedom and overthrow these tyrants installed via rigged
0: elections. Holy cow. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. And just like that, we are back.
2: Quick shout-out here for HSL Ammo and also lifesavingfood.com. So let me make this straight. HSL lifesavingfood.com. These are both sponsors of this show. You'll find links to them in my show notes. Right there under the daily show notes, there's a link for my sponsors. Go and visit them. If you can do business with them, do business with them. Otherwise, let them know their advertising message is reaching your ears via this program. Look, I'll admit, I look around at what's going on, and it, it sure feels like we have reached a tipping point of sorts. There is so much important stuff that's happening right now. Tucker Carlson actually touched on this the other day. He said "It's there's so much going on that, that sometimes you can almost lose track of it to the point where you, you realize there's so many distractions, so many things that are... Competing for our attention, we hardly notice when something major and earth-shaking happens. And there's a lot of that stuff happening right now. Um, Just watched a news report, for instance, last night about um, Germany. Oh, my goodness. Europe, for that matter. Energy costs, it's insane. You cannot believe how much the cost of keeping your home lit and heated has gone up. I mean, if you were paying $250 a month, you know, for your electrical bill, and suddenly it were to jump to $2,500 a month, you'd feel that, right? I mean, for, for many people, that's way more than another mortgage on top of whatever mortgage you're already paying. So, yeah, there's a lot of crazy stuff happening right now. And... It's really easy to struggle with a sense of frustration and hopelessness, especially if you're like me, you're one of those people who believes, hey, freedom matters, (laughs) liberty matters, and I feel like I need to say something about it. But it just seems like so few people are listening. I got a great essay that I think you will like, and I'm going to tell you right now, um, you've got to give yourself time to read this one. Richard M. Ebling is one of my favorite writers just because there's a great deal of wisdom in what he has to share, but he's also very thorough. And so this is not just, you know, shoot from the hip, you know, a haiku of, you know, a few syllables about what he thinks about the passing scene. He really does a great job to quantify what he's talking about. For instance, he says it's very difficult to be a classical liberal or libertarian and not experience bouts of disappointment, frustration and outright pessimism. The world around us seems to be going to hell in a handbasket. Government continues to grow and apparently is out of control. And he gets into some of the numbers. He says, for example, the Congressional Budget Office released its semi-annual budget and economic outlook in late May of 2022. And the CBO expects that when the federal government's current fiscal year ends, September 30th, 2022, that Uncle Sam will have spent $5.847 trillion dollars. Now, tax revenues from all sources will be about 4.890 trillion, leaving a budget deficit for the fiscal year of 1.036 trillion. National to- total national debt held by the public will come in at 24.173 trillion, while the gross national debt, which includes treasury securities held by other government agencies, will top off at 30.621 trillion. That's crazy and things don't look better over the coming decade according to the CBO. And again, he crunches the numbers for you here just to give you a good quantitative you know example of what this is is going to look like. Now that doesn't mean things can't change, but it just means right now the way things are going, it's not looking good. And as he explains in the article entitlement programs are heading for a disaster. Where are they going to find the money to fund things like Social Security, Medicaid, Medicare? It's a problem. I mean, just just a couple of days ago, there was some kind of an electronic problem and uh, the federal EBT cards suddenly weren't working in various places. And I know this may sound like, oh, are you fear-mongering by bringing this up? But let's just say that <clears throat> a sense of need compi- combined with a sense of entitlement can lead to some pretty nasty outcomes, depending on, on where you live. And I guess there were, there were some people getting pretty sporty over the fact that their EBT cards weren't working. Now imagine that on a large scale. <laughs> it would not take long for things to get very sporty in a number of places. So, entitlement programs heading for a disaster. Also, Richard Ebling points out how bigger military budgets are due to foreign interventionism. And that hasn't slowed down one bit. Look at all the things that are going on right now. You've got U.S., NATO, and and European Union military support for Ukraine in its war with Russia. You have a new emerging Cold War between the U.S. and China. So Defense Department spending, you can bet it's probably just going to go up for the years ahead. And, of course, the president has publicly committed America to coming to Taiwan's defense if China were to attempt to invade that island. So, If this is a serious promise in the face of growing Chinese military expenditures and outreach in East Asia and the Indian Ocean, that's going to require a lot more money spent by the U.S. to militarily match its new chosen rival for global hegemony. And, of course, we're not even talking about spending from National Public Radio to the Department of Education, Housing and Urban Development, Health and Human Resources, Agriculture, State, Interior, Homeland Security, and all the rest. Billions, tens of billions of dollars more in spending on these agencies. And this is an important point that Ebling makes here. Government spending equals what is taken from the private sector. That's worth keeping in mind. And he says that's a far cry from the beginning of the 20th century when in 1900 federal spending equaled only about 2.7% of GDP with state and local spending together coming to about another 4% of GDP. That is all levels of government took less than 7% of national income. And that means the American citizenry was keeping 93% of the income they earned. Now this was before the introduction of the federal income tax in 1913 by comparison with a CBO-estimated GDP in 2022 of almost $24.7 trillion, all levels of government, federal, state, and local, will be spending nearly $10 trillion, or over 40% of the national economic pie. Holy cow. Now, he goes on to explain how bigger government reduces freedom in so many ways. But then he, t- he stops to talk about Albert J. Nock and his uh, essay, written in the 1930s, called Isaiah's Job. Okay, so look, we're we're talking about quantifying just how big the mess is. You probably are nodding your head, okay, I get it. It's a huge mess. It's not going to get better on its own. What can I do? And if you're one of those people like me who sometimes find yourself sinking into despair and despondency because it just seems so impossibly huge to overcome... How can it be stopped? How can it be reversed so a society of individual liberty, limited government, and truly free markets can be established here? Well, this is where you might find Isaiah's job, an essay worth your time. Albert Nock, by the way, according to Richard Ebling, was one of the most insightful advocates of individual liberty in the 20th century, most famous for his 1935 book, Our Enemy, The State. In fact, he clearly laid out what he called the difference between social power and political power. Social power is the sum of all the free actions of all the free individuals in a free society. It comprises the personal choices, free associations and exchanges and creative achievements when people when government rather leaves people alone to peacefully follow their own paths for betterment as they respectively see it. Political power, on the other hand, comprises all the government actions that interfere with those free actions by free people in the form of taxes collected, regulations and restrictions imposed on personal and market activities, and the compulsory redistributions of income and wealth that are meant to privilege some at the expense of others. The greater the political power by government in the society, the more social power is diminished, that is, individual freedom is reduced, and the state grows with its legitimized use of force over people's lives. Now, I want to get back here to Isaiah's job. In the midst of uh, all the upheaval of the 1930s, Nock wrote this essay, which appeared in the Atlantic Monthly in 1936. And he paraphrased the story of Isaiah in the Old Testament, talking about the frustration that Isaiah felt where people wouldn't listen. But God told Isaiah, look, your job is to uprightly speak the truth and tell people where a better path can be found. The rest of it is God's job. And Knox's point was to say nobody can read the future or how many people may or may not change what they believe and what they'll socially or politically want or oppose. All that a friend of freedom can do is speak what he knows to be true about the right principles for a free society and how and why such a free society should be desired if liberty has any value and if peaceful prosperity for mankind is to be made possible. I think the key to this, and this is one of the things that really stuck out to me about uh, this essay, Isaiah's Job, is that uh, when we speak up, when we speak the truth and we speak in defense of liberty, when we share our understanding about the idea and ideal of liberty with whomever we can, opportunities present themselves in their respective corners of society and you may never know who has listened to what you said or how effective or influential it may have been that's why you've got to speak up
0: this is the brian hyde show